Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined, as always, by Shane Hoffman. You're really doing it up. Tonight. I don't know. We went, I, you know, we were at Gill Coliseum three days in a row yeah, like this yeah. last weekend. There's, you know, we're just still juicing after the Gill Boys. The, the, Gil, <laughs> the Gill Boys. Maybe that's a T-shirt. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it's a therapy session. It could be that. That could be what this is. Exactly. Um... I'm still hurting from that True Detective finale. We'll we'll get into that. Was that was going to say, are we we'll, with that? No, no, we'll, we'll get in that towards the end of it. But um, how's it going today? As we look outside right now, the sun is peeking out. I think the temperatures are supposed to be like in the 50s this I, weekend. I know. I said I might take, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, I might take off the day tomorrow and go to the beach. What's that entail? That entails leaving about an hour after I say I'm going to leave in the morning. Of course. Um, so probably 10 or 11. I mean, is it a beach trip if you leave on time? No. No. It simply isn't. Um, you know, usually I'd get some sort of like sandwich to bring, but I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff in my house I have to make. But, you know, head out, maybe grab a buddy or two, maybe bring a football, maybe find a hike. You know, it's it's uh, malleable at this point. <laughs> I, I need to be... be- I need to become better at the beach day trip. Mm. Usually when we go, it'll be, and this is space pretty, we don't go to the beach frequently, right. but it'll often be the, get like a, an Airbnb. You haven't done that in a while. There. That's a good move. It's, it's nice. Cause it, it takes a little pressure off of getting out there super early. Right. And that drive home is never fun. I, I contend, right. especially if you're taking the, um, the, the 26 route out through there. I hate that drive. I hate, I hate the drive yeah. to the seaside. Like it's just, no, that's a good point. I mean, it was funny in college too because we'd make these trips on the weekend, knowing full well that you know, if, say it's a Saturday, we wanted to do something that night, and we're all gung ho about it. We're like, oh, we'll, we'll go out to dinner even, and we leave, and everyone's come back. I mean, whoever's not driving is passed out, like without fail. And you get back, and it's like, are we mobilizing? Probably not at this point, but it's it's all in good fun. I love the beach. Was was the beach an often option in college? Like I'm at Montana, we. You know, the first two years, you got to the mountains a bit because you're, right. you're out there and you're right. exploring. And then you just kind of like settle into like, I live here and I don't get out as. Maybe this is just my experience. It totally depends, right? Because early in college, I didn't have a car and I didn't really know people that did. Um, so that was that was a little bit hamstringing us there. Um, from there, you know, junior year, maybe junior and senior year, maybe like I started to get some guys together for my birthday, like January, and we'd like go out there and we get a spot, and that was fun. And then I think by senior year it turned into more like, hey, let's just do some day trips here or there. Because the weather, you know, if you don't go into it expecting, you know, Malibu weather, like it's usually better weather than it is wherever you are, especially if you're going in the winter time. So, do you want to start with the men or women? I think we'd be doing a disservice to start with the man. But actually, you know what? Let's do it and get that out of the way. There's okay. just less to talk about there. So, Actually, actually, I I think we'll begin with a shared experience because I, I covered the... The, the Gill Boys, after the, all. The Gill Boys. <laughs> hashtag Gill Boys. <laughs> Put that in the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at the game on Saturday. The Ducks won 60-57. Um, Eight. 58, yeah. I was about to say it was a game... Um, <laughs> It, it was a really frustrating game in the sense that it was a pretty terrible basketball game for yeah. the first like <laughs> not like, good thirty eight minutes of it. I think there was a combined thirty four missed three threes, um, just kind of some sloppy play altogether. It was a game that the Ducks were up, I believe, by thirteen at one point, and then they they just kind of took their foot off the it's gas. Happened a and, few times this year. Yeah, um, but it all ended up. With a final play that ends up being a frantic finish in the final Pac-12 Civil War, whatever you want to call it, at Gill Coliseum. Like, it'll be a memorable game for me when I look back at, like, games that I've covered just because, like, it had that finish. Right. Uh, it was a road win for the Ducks. And then you kind of consider, you know, what's on the line for Altman's squad. Um, and th- he- third year in a row that they had a buzzer beater, or I guess a, not a buzzer beater, but a, a game winner against the beavers yeah that's not an easy place for them to win like it's 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 tough and so um yeah i enjoyed it i think you know dana altman will be the first person to tell you like that's not the type of basketball that's gonna Mm -hmm. um make them survive this streak that they have coming up but he also did say we've been in worse positions than this before and have made the tournament which is true but those are also some of the most 
magical kind of moments in his career and so he's kind of mm-hmm. setting up this situation where he's he's putting it out there that he needs to kind of pull off one of his kind of special right. runs to do this and it is hard right because you want to go back and think about how you felt about those teams before they made those runs in those past years to kind of compare about how do you feel about this because i don't feel great about this yeah <laughs> but i don't think you felt great the other years either necessarily i just man they like I mean, you were you were there, and I, my favorite part of your story was, you know, after the game, he, you know, Dana Alban started his favorite post game routine, and it was like complaining about this, you know, arguing that they need better this, whatever. Uh, you wrote it much more eloquently than I was able to speak it. But, of course, of course. Um, but they just, yeah, they just kind of, they're a little bit of a stagnant team at times. There's a, I was tracking some numbers for a story the other week, and um, Evan Mia, which is similar to Ken Palm, this website, they do this thing where they track. And I forget how what they name it, but the, like the teams that have the most ten o runs, and the Ducks um, were nowhere near the top of the list. But they also didn't have many teams do that against them. And yet lately, it seems like when teams need to get back in games, they're able to kind of string together these ten o runs. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, throw out what you were saying about this team five minutes ago. What do you? Obviously, there's still a lot of time left in this year for it to go up more off the rails or to improve. But what do you think this roster looks like next year when Dante is not in the fulcrum? Because again, this this was another game where Dante does a lot of things and he's such a president in that paint. But gosh, does everything just slow down and grind to a halt with him in there too? And and you know he's he's not the smoothest guy by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious what you know does does the offense become more kind of maybe this is what they would have been this year too if they weren't so injured but you know kind of back to more guard dominated and and kind of more tempo yeah it's interesting because you look back at the last few years and the centers that altman teams have had haven't really been guys that need the ball down low so like let's say like kenny wooten was like very impactful but it was like we're giving you dump offs you're in the dunker spot we're throwing you oops you're getting rebounds same thing with jordan bell or it's like like a lot of putbacks or just francis okoro for a second all those sort of guys unless i'm forgetting someone i mean bull bull was the difference uh i guess uh, an outlier there but then he got hurt right so um yeah i i think it will look more similar to the offense that they had to start this season or i guess in that first third of the season which i think is exciting and then I think you're going to get that that trio of this year's freshmen kind of take another step. And then, of course, they'll add a guy or two. But, yeah, I'm not sure because we had talked about a few weeks ago. It's like, is it harder to add guys back almost than to, like, band-aid over losing them? And, like, it's probably a stupid take. But I think there's a little bit of merit to it. Just like, You see, like, it just hasn't, it hasn't been that smooth. And it doesn't seem like they've improved that much in terms of like working in and around Dante since he's gotten back since since it happened at first it'll be it'll be interesting for next year because I I do think that I know there has been you know a lot of discussion the last couple weeks of you know just Altman's future Mm -hmm. but I do think that this is a more Graves future right right, more more Graves future but I I, you know it's kind of it's kind of the the topic du jour but I think it's there's a lot more of a feasible path for the men's team right now, because you can still see a successful future built mm-hmm. around Shellstad and, you know, KJ with, if he has another year and maybe they get some of these guys back healthy. Right. Um, like, I don't think like they're that far. Like that's been the most frustrating, I think with thing with Dana's teams the last few years is like, you kind of see what they've been trying to do. Right. And it's just, and they're not far off. Yeah. And that's why like games had, they lost that Oregon state game. Uh, you look at these other games that they've dropped with, you know, it's like one thing you can point to, and that's why it's really frustrating. You can tell with Dana because he knows, like, the margins are so slim, and they keep losing these games they shouldn't, and then, of course, they're, you know, sit at home or in the NIT when they want to be in, you know, the big dance. I shouldn't share that story. No, do it. You can't do that. Okay, I have a friend, I have a friend named Joe. Okay, is that his actual name? It's his actual name. Okay. Let's call him Joe. Let's call him Joe. like a life advice. Anyways, I... uh, I texted, it was in the middle of the game, um, Dana had just smacked the scores table real hard, mm-hmm. and I, I texted Joe, um, that was a world-class, like, table smack. Yeah, he's got some good ones. And, um, you know, Joe, Joe had a pretty good seat for it. What I didn't realize is the, the last Joe I had texted in my phone was Joey Harrington, and oh. so I accidentally texted that to Joey Harrington. Interesting. Um, and I quickly, re- I was like, ah! 
Right. And so I did like the unsend message, which I learned, which I thought was fine. Like I did it within like five seconds. Right. But then yesterday you unsent me a message. Yeah. And, you saw it, and, and I saw that it says Shane Hoffman unsent a message. Right. I didn't know it did that. So now Joey Harrington's just sitting with a, like a what the hell did Tyson Alger text me at? I think that's the better outcome. Although, oh no, no, I, I wish it would just like. What, what was it? Was it like a professional enough text, or was it like a? It would have been out. It would have been uh, very. Uh, it would have been really out of the blue. Right, for, but could you have maybe band-aided it with being like, "Hey, sorry, Joey Harrington, that was for my friend Joe Blank." But, you know, like maybe he's watching and gets a kick out of it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, true. no worries, man. That was a pretty crazy... A- you know? Anyways, like it's just... It, being... Uh, he's definitely thinking about it as much as you're thinking about we're, it. We're not, we're not um, meaningful people by any means, but the longer you do this job, right. the, the higher stakes you have of, yes. of when you fuck up a text message. Or try to <laughs> dap up the offensive coordinator or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, let's, let's move to the more important stuff. Uh... You might have been to one of the top ten basketball games of all time in the state on Thursday. Wow! I yeah, mean, just like I mean, consider- no, yeah. I mean, just considering like the essentially, if, if, essentially if, top ten. If, if that was year. if that was on the men's side, we'd probably be saying that was one of the best. You know, it's yeah. I, I think when you consider the context of you're showing your hand a little bit there. How's that? Well, you say if, if it's on the men's side, we, we, you know, we don't see that stuff. You know, it's basketball is basketball. No, I'm I'm saying that. I'm saying that. I oh, think because of the stakes. Correct. Oh, I was yeah. like, "What are you talking?" Yeah, no, it be, because of the stakes that of that. Out, maybe, you know? be, because of the stakes of that game. If it, if it right. was if it was a men's right. game, like people would be going nuts and being right. like, you know, when save like, their season. It, it, exactly oh, okay. that sort of thing. So yes, I think, fair point. Yeah. That being said, like, it wasn't a must win, but it was a huge win. I mean, I, basically, top ten matchup. Like I said. It's not that long ago that UCLA was the second best team in the country. Um, that pushed their win streak, Oregon State's, to six, and five of them were top 25 teams. Um, so that was the first game I ever saw at Gill, which was lucky, I think, in one regard, um, and then just a coincidence in another. Uh, the media seating, we could start there. A little uncomfortable, but I, I also didn't hate it at times. I... There, there's benefits to it. You're a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a lot kind of more involved with the fans too. Right. Um, my back still hurts a little bit. Yeah. So you kind of have to hunch right. over. And I, I was lucky on Saturday that um, they they can really pack people in there, and you, yeah. it, it turns into. I, I a had trough a, of sports reporters. Yeah, I, I had a guy on my left, and Chris Hansen from the Register Guard was supposed to be on my right, but I, I'm not sure why he didn't. He wasn't there, but it ended up being kind of like when you're on the airplane and there's like an open middle seat next to you <laughs> right. and you're like watching the people come down the yeah. aisles and you're like, please, no, please. And then the doors closed. The, the anthem was my doors closing. That's beautiful. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was, I had a tear coming down right as rockets red glare. Man. So here's what I'll say about that game though. Um, I think it's like, it's increasingly rare that I have like goosebump moments at these events just because I think the, the, the really cool ones stick out. Again, we've talked so much about the Oregon-Washington game in Seattle. Like that's the most recent one. The Ohio State game um, in Columbus. For basketball, this was – I can't think of another one that comes close. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. The AP writer was sitting next to me, and I watched him frantically rewrite his lead oh, like man. five or six I, times. Gosh, kill me. Yeah. That, that would be so hard. Like, right. Unbelievable. Um, and so that was such a funny backdrop for the whole thing. But, I mean, really, truly, like, goosebumps for all, multiple shots there where it's like I was excited to potentially write about a win, but it was like a crazy game either way. And then I don't really usually do the video thing, but I got up to take a video of the final shot. I got a pretty good video of it, and, like, my whole arms have goosebumps. It was just amazing game. The shot making was incredible, too. Dude, that, I was just about to say that. Like, just the the qual- the quality of that play especially in the meaningful minutes and then comparing that to the ducks beavers men like the next night mm-hmm. was kind of night and day difference yeah <laughs> it was just a much more entertaining game what do you think of the timeout advance the ball because they were able to run about what four plays under two two seconds there yeah i mean it's dope right yeah <laughs> <laughs> women's basketball with the quarters and with that it makes way more sense yeah um, for a variety of reasons. I like it a lot. I, I mean, it just creates more parity. Like, we 
we don't see a ton of um, classic finishes in on the men's side. I guess we don't see as many as we could because, again, like these guys are heaving from half court. Or it's got to just or, be like that pick and pop, like quick. Right. Yeah. Well, also like a half court buzzer beater is crazy and unfortunate for the team that lost, but it's not as cool as like a scripted play and like a real actual basketball shot. So that was amazing. Um, huge win for them. They didn't get it done on Sunday, although they had a chance to for a second. I was like, are they going to pull this one out too? Pretty impressive defensive effort in that game. Yes, the rebounding killed them both on both sides, but that was because they don't have Reagan Beers, who broke her nose, and I think we'll be back pretty soon if I had to guess. Corridor curse. <laughs> Corridor yeah, curse, no baby. kidding. Yeah. Huh? That was a crazy scene, her going down, and she was kind of, like, throwing up, and she had, like, a panic attack a little bit, and it was it was a wild one, um, but it seems like she's in good spirits. That team is fucking good, and you know they're good because the team is starting to talk more and more about it. They're now embracing, especially Scott, like, embracing Final Four team comparisons, and I'm hearing that from anyone I talk to that's around the team or knows the team. So March should be fun. At the end of this episode, by the way, Shane has like the sequel to our yes. Will Patterson Probably uh, should have mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Um, you, you chat with Andrew Goodwin. Um, he's the the director of basketball media relations. And some for, other stuff. And some yeah. other stuff for uh, Oregon women's basketball. And they've been absolutely killing it. With, yeah. We uh, recorded right before the UCLA game, which is now funny to kind of look back at that. Well, and especially because he was sharing like some of the like the impressions that they got right. uh, online from like their their you know or Oregon gets a lot of a lot of shine for like the what they're able to do socially yeah. um, or online and Oregon State's been doing a real nice job of that. I was gonna too. say you know no no LeBron stories in the, on this one, but I, I loved hearing a little bit about kind of how the sausage gets made. You yeah, a hundred percent. This Saturday, you and I will both be at Providence Park for Crazy. the Portland Timbers yeah. home opener. Which is a very bizarro world thing to say. Right, yeah. You'll be you'll be covering for the Oregonian. Um, I have a profile of their new head coach coming out on Friday in the corridor and the Oregonian. Wow! Um, look at that. So look, yeah, look at us. Look at us. Paul, it's nice Paul too because it takes a little pressure off me to like write like feature stuff right now because you're doing some. So I'm like, I'll, just, I'll go to the game. I'll feel it out, and you know. I can't imagine running a soccer game is going to be too hard for me, but we'll see. I was down at the stadium today. They had a little preview of uh, some of the new food that yeah, they're going to have it. around. This is our food section for the week. Yeah, they, uh, they're going heavy on uh, Hawaiian food, which I'm okay. not, not, not upset. So I had a little clue of pork today. I had yeah. some mac salad. Mm. Um, they had a Even bad Hawaiian is good. They had like a Colby beef. Um, they called it a Colby beef rice roll-up sort of thing. Good God. Yeah. Um, that was okay. Oh, okay. Um, you got me excited there for a second. Um, they had some tri-tip sandwiches with a little chimichurri. <sighs> That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that was, should do the trick. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if you uh, are a soccer fan and you have a little bit of a disposable income. Or a I, lot of I, it. I can't imagine yeah. this stuff's cheap. Uh, yeah. Although sometimes the food deals aren't awful. It's just the beer. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if you go to uh, Moda Center, we're actually, they have a lot of good food options at Moda now. But the food is, I mean, it's not cheap. But, you know, it's like the beer is what sends the price tag rocketing up. Dude, that, that's what got me when I went to uh, the Remix game a couple weeks ago. Right, was yeah. um, That might have been the worst $8 hot dog yeah, I think I've tough. ever had. Especially because I like to go to Portland Winterhawks games at the, mm-hmm. at the vet. And I would say that's probably the most comparable show Around town, obviously the Winter Ho- yeah. the Winterhawks have a more developed uh, viewership just because they've been around for twenty, I mean, long enough time. But I think at the Winterhawks game you can get a hot dog for like two bucks, Which and, is it, what it, and it be. and it was a better quality. I mean, like if you're going to a place and like it's a good hot dog, right. like or it's like some sort of um, you know, there's some sort of frills to it, like. Yeah, it's charged me seven or eight bucks. Maybe yeah. maybe even ten if it's a foot long. Pull my leg. But uh yeah, the Rip City remix ones were god awful. Yeah. And that's where, you know, if you're getting like a chicken sandwich, say it's Moda and it's like sixteen dollars, I get it. I mean chicken sandwiches unfortunately now, like you get a rest- restaurant, you know, they get like, like a little coleslaw in yeah. there and they make it fancy and it's like, oh, twenty two dollars, okay. Yeah. So that I feel better about. Or even like some big slices of pizza, but yeah, the hot dogs not not a huge fan. You 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 just brought up a really good point because when the hot dog had the monopoly 
on this is our timber season preview by the way 100 <laughs> when when the hot dog had the monopoly when like the hot dog was like the microsoft right. of of stadium condiments it wasn't often being compared to like a fried chicken sandwich no. or like a banh mi yeah. or um you know scene, like a pokey you know like that sort of thing and now those things are coming in at comparable price point. Like big, big hot dog can't just be charging like anything that it wants these days, unless it wants to adapt to the modern times. This is our breakout clip for the podcast <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, so true detective, we gotta do any any football. Uh, I am doing an interview next week with. Oregon running backs coach Carlos Lachlan. That's a good um, one. That's a I, guy that I'm curious to know more about. He, I know really nothing about him in turn. Like I've seen the clips. I've obviously been a part of some of his media sessions, but I want to, I want to figure out like how that sausage was made because mm. he's a lot of sausage talk. A, a very high energy guy. Uh, his running backs never fumble the football. And I think that's might be the angle I end up going about with that of just, you know, that was, kind of the most known problem with the era beforehand was Man, that's a good point cj verdell and travis die and it totally was i think in the last two years noah whittington and bucky irving have combined to lose two fumbles that's an incredible angle yeah i had heard those numbers and it's something that you just don't pay attention to unless it's bad right no one lauds running backs for not fumbling um, like they, you know, tear them down for fumbling. So that should be a cool one. And he's an interesting guy. Yeah, and, and it does. It dude, does he's, seem he's like, recruiting really freaking. Like he's well, got an eye for recruiting. This. Sorry, I cut you off. No, he's but I cut you off. His. It seems like, and I know it's not just him making these decisions, but the talent evaluation on these guys, like a knowing Whittington from Western Kentucky, a Bucky Irving from Minnesota. Um, we'll see about this D two guy, right? But I mean, I, I think everyone's kind of in agreement that he'll have a cool goal line ish. Jordan James, yeah, like two years ago, sort of role. Um, so it seems like he's got the full package because it seems like his players love him. They run hard, kind of in his style, almost. If that, if you know yeah. what I mean. And then yeah, the talent evaluation of the family. I mean, there's it's it's just nice too that there's some continuity with the staff, and that's yeah. just something that we haven't had for a while. I mean, this is going to be his third season with the Ducks. This you in that be, person? Uh, over the phone. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know they have the same coordinators as they did last year. Right. Like this is, you know, this is this is nice. <laughs> like, and and it's it's funny that it feels so different because that's what this program used to be up until mm-hmm. the firings in 2016. Like, it's a good point. You know, too. I can write a Gary Campbell story, and people love Gary Campbell mm-hmm. stories. And like, I, I bet you people don't know who the running backs coach was three years ago. Right, and like that's kind of funny if you were like drafting the guys on this staff of like who's going to be the guy that people remember that might. Might not stay as long as some of those guys you were just talking about, but we'll be like guys like yeah, miss that guy or like I hope he does well, or whatever. Like, Glockland's probably near the top of that list. I mean, given that they've already lost some guys, right? Chris Hampton yeah. is stepping into a new role, so that should be cool. Uh, that's coming out when uh, I'm talking to him on Monday, so okay, that'll probably so be like a Tuesday. Wednesday. Two weeks from Monday? Yeah. No, no, that <laughs> that'll be like a Tuesday Wednesday turnaround. Yeah. Um, Sweet, that should be good. Um, I've got a fast break coming. Yeah, fast break's coming. Uh, profile on the Timbers manager is coming. Um, the story about Jack Jensen, who directed the NCAA football commercial, is coming. Um, wow, wow, wow. But really, we're just putting off the fact that you wasted the last two months. Of, I did. Of this my is life. my fault. We're, tr- we're trying to save the world with ice cores, man. So you... <sighs> We agree a lot about these things, and do you not think that it would have just been better as a movie? Uh, there's a line there. Right? Like, would you I mean, would you ever go back and rewatch that season? No, and you're right. It probably could have been condensed because if you parse it down, there's some great stuff in there. Um, I, I didn't think that the finale was as awful as you and a lot of other people seem to think it was. Um, again, then again, I mean, my expectations were probably I, I, I think, like, there was one scene where it kind of just, I finally was just like, I don't like this anymore. And it mm. was when they were in the ice caves, and I think Navarro might have said something about, um, Jodie Foster character's daughter, or whatever. Yeah. And, it's just, and she just, shut up, shut up, you know, like, like basically, like, that whole, the whole episode was Jodie oh, Foster. Oh, it was about, about the, the son, like, he had, he's trying to talk, or he had, yeah, 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 but anyways, it, like, 
the like they basically turned Danvers' whole character into like just this like exposed nerve who was just mm. either like I can't hear this or like just shut up or just like you know just like right. and like it was just it just kind of it didn't work for me and then like it just felt like everything was kind of accelerated to that point too also yeah. like a lot a lot of the <laughs> there was so much setup to uh finding that guy in the station mm-hmm. and then he locks Danvers in like that one room right. and then uh smashes what's her uh, navarro with yeah. like the fire hydrant and like that's a lot of drama like yeah. that could lead to something cool like maybe he kidnaps them and whatever but when like that yeah. like the consequences of that scenario were cleared up <laughs> in like five seconds it was just like right. oh hey like she woke up and uh, the assumption is she just beat the shit out of him and everything's fine like it, well that's yeah it was funny right because they, they do a cut where like he's on top of navarro and then she walks in the room and navarro's just beating the living shit out of him like instantaneously yeah um so a, I, a long week for her by the way like yeah, no kidding yeah. um real quick in like week two of this show we talked about like we have any predictions of where this show is going and i want to stake my claim Oh, here we go. I said the one thing I put out there that I hadn't seen anyone else say, and it became popular as the show went on, but I was like, there's something under the station. Let, let the record show that this is the most animated that you have been this right, entire right. podcast. Well, you know? no, I said there's something under the station. And, I, you know, I, some secret area or caves, right? And lo and behold, there was. And I liked that part. I thought that was cool. Like, I, they had stuff going for them. And there was a little bit of a payoff in that. There was a bit of a mystery that got solved um, in a non-supernatural way. Although, the, the, it was a little, ah, not corny, not cheesy, but like them running them out on the ice. and There was a lot of stuff, man. Just, I, just I, like, I, like the village heroes yeah. like, were really the... There was a, I watched it with my buddy. By, by the way, it was like a, an earthquake or a rock slide hurt. <laughs> yeah, or slab, or avalanche. slab avalanche. Slab avalanche. <laughs> there were some really funny moments in that episode. But... There, there was, like, there's a lot of good acting in there. Like, there, yeah. like there's good scenes in that. Yeah. Um, it was just, I, it's always kind of funny when, like, you join something late. And, you know, obviously this season is disconnected from the others, yeah. but, like, and you know, you, you you kind of unfairly watch something through, like, the lens of, like, this should be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you grade things harder, but also, like, if something's bad, like, you also, like, don't want to, like, you know, you don't want to be, like, the one person saying mm-hmm. it's bad yet. And so I think a lot of people waited until the finale to just be like, <laughs> man, like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Man, so, so the guy I was watching with, he had a good point. Um, there's a lot of in this show there's a lot especially between the main characters of like one will ask a question and the other one will not answer the question and that was such an apt sort of um, descriptor of the show of like why are you putting these questions out there and then the the characters aren't even acknowledging that they ask these questions and they never get resolved and there was a few things that never got resolved and then there's just other things where it's like the orange rolls out of the fridge, and I'm just covering my eyes. I'm like, oh, they're going to they do this again? Did, did we find out why the, who put the tongue there? No. Which is like, if I cared more, maybe I'd think about it. Right. That, I'm not left well, to like... Okay, so I think, I think ultimately that's my biggest folly of the show, is mm. that part right there. Like, none of those things left me at, at a point where I'm like, oh, man, like... Yeah. See, this is what's frustrating, though, because if you zoom out and you say, we're going to do a detective show... And it's going to be two kind of um, opposing descriptions and, and characters in, in the detective world. You know, one's like more of a reflection of the community and one's that kind of like bitter old Danvers, right? And it's going to be cold and night and there's a research station in these caves. Like, oh, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah. There's a lot to work with there. And then you even weave in some of the the local peoples and the mine and the water. And it's like, that... Okay, stop there, right? And then it's like, oh, what if we went another step forward? Yeah, no. That, like if, How about if there's ghosts? Yeah. And, and, and also, like, what if they're trying to save the world? Right. There was no... <laughs> they say save the world. It's like... Well, and they were talking about on the Ringer podcast, they're like, did, did they mean, like, some form of cancer? Like, what are they saving the world with? If you could just give me a description there... Maybe makes more sense, right? Or you know, I, I also don't think they developed the characters Danver and Navarro enough to understand the relation between them because well, I think again, the blueprints of them worked. Yeah, they just they wasn't well, fleshed well, out. And, and they kept you know they kept going back to the 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 trauma, traumatic experience those right. two had together, and it's like 
we never really got to learn like why that mattered yeah. really so much. And then also like, and I, and I'm very well aware that like shows are written with the assumption that like your re, uh, watchers have to assume they like don't get to have every little answer of the mm-hmm. story. But like, whatever happened with like the Anchorage cops that were kind of in on it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of questions. And then, you know, they bring, they bring back at the very end. What's been a staple of true detective is the, the detective on detective con- confessionals. And it was like the last scene. And I don't blame the director or the producer for not having that be a staple of this season and kind of taking a step back from it. But it did remind me. I was like, ah, there was potential. Yeah. Overall, wouldn't watch again. I, I wouldn't watch again. I I enjoyed being a part of the ride though. Yeah. So we're what's gonna next? have to. That's what I was gonna ask. So what's next? <sighs> because you you're watching some shows. I'm watching some shows. It, it's it's there, it's but... hard because we're the the thing that I like about True Detective in this kind of it's a throwback to when something was on weekly and it wasn't just like a dump of shows and it's it it honestly it kind of created this medium of like podcast of yeah. of watch a show, discuss it, preview the next one. Did that actually hurt True Detective? Yeah. Was there too much dissection? If you had just binged it in like a week, maybe we enjoy it. Oh, dude, it. like the, the degree of difficulty for uh, for landing a yeah. plane is probably so damn hard now. Right. Um, Especially with a show like this where you've got places like The Ringer having like three podcasts about it. And yeah, I mean, we're doing a fucking podcast about it. Right? Um, I think the next one that we might do week to week unless something else pops up, and it might not be for a while though, is I know that they were filming se- the next season of Severance relatively yes, soon, and I'm that's the one. I'm 100% in on that one. That was a great show, and I actually would rewatch the first season. That one was good. What are some other options? Did you watch The Last of Us? Did you do that? I, d- I did watch The Last of Us. I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to do a podcast no, on fair. it. I get, well, you know, it's, we're doing five minutes, right? But yeah, true. That's gonna have another season. Did you watch the House of Drag- House of the Dragon? I'm not. I'm not into those. Ones. I didn't. I, I, well, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but I did watch that. It was decent. I'm just trying to think of big ones coming out. Uh, I've, I've been watching um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on okay. Amazon, but yeah. like you know that that's all the episodes come. No, I guess actually that's weekly, isn't it? But yeah, you would know yeah. better than I. Um, yeah, anyway, so if you, if you have any suggestions or anything mm. that you would like us to dive into. Yeah, even um, old stuff. Like, we could go oh, back yeah. and find one you know, maybe, that we haven't watched. Have you, have you done The Sopranos? Uh, so I, I was on a tear about a year ago okay. to, the, to this month, and then I, I slowed down for a variety of reasons. That's one that would be great. The Wire I never did. I've never done The Wire. Oh, no, oh, there's some journalistic yeah. oh, man. stuff in there, you know? <laughs> Two white guys do the water. <laughs> yep. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. Well, this is about as good of a setup that we can do for Andrew Goodwin. Who is, <laughs> right. Uh, We're running out of steam here. Let's this, get him in here. coming up next. Uh, so thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure if you would like to, you can subscribe to us at i5corridor.com. It's the off season. We could certainly appreciate the gas money. We could certainly appreciate it. We could certainly appreciate it. All right. Alrighty, welcome back in. Shane Hoffman here. No Tyson Alger, but we got Andrew Goodwin. We're we're here in the uh, the basement. I guess this is what is this the second floor? This is the second floor. Okay, yeah. so you have a nice nice window view here. We're in the office. There's a little bit of a buzz in here today. Yeah. There's been buzz a lot of this season, as of late especially. But I'm hearing that there's going to be a little bit of an attendance record tonight. Yeah, we got a student attendance record. I was told that the previous one was 1250 okay. for the Oregon game in 2020. And uh, they messaged us, our ticket folks today, and said that we were going to have 2000 plus today, which is crazy. It'll be fun. I was say, I should pull back the curtain. You are the sports information <laughs> director for the Oregon State women basketball team, and they're playing UCLA tonight. I think it's what eleven versus nine. Eleven versus nine. Is nine. Yeah. So maybe this is the night that the Beavers finally break into the top ten. It ought to we'll be. We'll see. Right. <laughs> Your boss tweeted something about how many top ten wins do you need yeah. to be a top ten team, and um, and I, he'll love that you said. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he'll love that. <laughs> but I agree. Like I understand. You know, we had a little bit of a weak non-con. We didn't mm-hmm. have a ton of expectations coming in, but. 
when you beat Colorado twice, when you sweep the mountain trip on the road, there aren't many teams doing that against two ranked teams, and it's hard to not feel like these kids just deserve it. Like, they've earned it already, and now they have to earn it again. Right. So I met you originally when I was at Oregon. It was my senior year, and you did... You were doing acro and tumbling. You were doing what else were you doing back then? I had lacrosse, lacrosse. and then uh, Will would tell you I was secondary men's basketball. Right. I was really not, but I did enough to add it to the resume. <laughs> so we had talked to him the other week, and we were talking about um, the project they did with students where they were designing the posters. That was a joint idea, right? Well, no, it was his you idea. Can't, you can't take <laughs> I cannot for? take credit. Okay. He he had noticed the Trailblazers. Right. You know, I know he told the story. And he, like, had me come into his office, and he said, I've been thinking about doing this. What do you think? Right. Like, you know, sometimes an idea is bouncing around in your head, and you think it's so cool, but you need someone else to validate it. So I was just the validation. The validation, okay. It was a cool idea. Now he's getting plenty of validation. So you don't work with him anymore because you made the leap to Oregon State, obviously. Yep. And this is your third year now, correct? Second. Second. One oh, and a half, time. yeah. One and a half. All yeah. Right. I'm all over the place. <laughs> So t- take me through that transition because um, things, especially in the athletic departments, work very differently at both schools. Don't throw anyone over the bus. Don't tell me anything. No, yeah, 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 But just walk me through, especially someone in your role, has it changed much going school to school? Well, it, it's so funny because I both, like, I moved from Oregon to Oregon State, and then I took on a sport that is far bigger in terms of attention, social media, work, going from lacrosse to women's hoops. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's way different. I think the, the big thing with, you know, going from Oregon to Oregon State is Oregon is so big that it's almost, it's like corporate-ish. Mm-hmm. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, you know, I could walk by somebody in the hall and there's like a 50-50 chance I knew who it was in my first year. And then here I basically know everybody's names after my first couple month, uh, months and then, you know, I'm working very closely with people all across the department Mm -hmm. that, you know, at Oregon, they're a little bit bigger staff. And so you might not work with, you know, everybody in your marketing department or everybody in your ticketing team. But like, I could tell you the names of basically every (laughs) single person in the external unit here. And it's just, it's a different feel, um, both in good and bad ways. Like there are a lot of positives for them. Prior to Oregon, I don't know much of actually much about <laughs> what you did prior to that. I know you have a journalism background. Yeah, um, you even did the freelance life for a bit, like I've been doing. Yes, walk me through kind of how you you got out here in the first place. Yeah, I went to Whitworth University, a D three in Spokane, mm-hmm. and I was graduating. I'd done some play by play, and I worked on our student paper. I was the sports editor my senior year, and my boss had his GA quit in the sports information department. And he called me up and he said, you know, if you can get into a master's program, your job's yours. Mm. So I applied for every open master's program. I jumped into the first one I got into, which is social-emotional learning. So I have a master's in social-emotional learning. And then I went to Louisiana Tech for a year. COVID hit while I was there. They had no baseball stadium because a tornado had hit it the year before. Mm. And I, I, like, burned myself out that year, took a year off, and then I got back into it at Oregon, honestly, like... If I hadn't have had such a good experience there, I would not still be doing sports at all. Louisiana. Give me give me something here. I mean, that must have been a little bit of a culture shock. It was a culture shock. I, it's one of those things where, like, I would never, like, take another job there mm-hmm. because it wasn't a good fit for me, but I'm so glad I did it the one time. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a great learning and growing experience, even if, you know, if I looked for a job today or when I was right. finishing up at Oregon looking for a job, I was like, I'm not going back to the South. Is there anything the small you miss about it, though? You know, <laughs> it's hard to say that. I, I miss, like, the kids I got to work with. Yeah, I miss a couple yeah. of my coaches. But, yeah, I'm a I'm a Pacific Northwest guy through and through. Yeah. And the South and the Pacific Northwest are about as polar opposite as you can get in yeah. almost every way. So, yeah. So this season's been interesting because – you and I had talked preseason, and there was some signs last year with this team, but I think both of us thought they were going to be a little bit better than 10th in the conference. Yeah. That was a reasonable deduction. They've been better than maybe I would have expected. I don't know about yourself. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, people are talking once, Eid, Portland, you know, and we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, right? My question to you is how your job changes as a year like this unravels, because we were just in the media room, we were joking about chairs piling up more and more people coming by walk me through especially the last two to three weeks where this team has kind of taken off how has your role changed yeah it's um 
it is so much more work in the best way. Right. Um, actually, this is just an example of how great our team is. I um, At the end of our mountain trip, we're about to go pull out onto the tarmac to get our charter in Boulder. And we just beat the first top five road, got the first top five road win in school history. Mm-hmm. I walked which back is, there. Which is surprising. It's, it's surprising crazy, me, right? Yeah, because they beat Stanford on the road right. once. You know, uh, Devin, our assistant coach, her team went and beat North Carolina. They were number six. So it is a little surprising, mm-hmm. but it was very cool. And so I walked back there with our vlog camera because we're trying to get, you know, people to come out to these games. And I'm kind of trying to tell them what to say. You know, like, they say what they want organically, but I'm giving them, like, talking points. You know, like, we did this. Now we've got two more big top 20 games, and none of the words came out right. (laughs) I looked at them, and I was like, sorry, I'm so stressed right now. I have so much to do. And they, like, this team is the first one where I even would have done that. But also they're all, like, reassuring me. And (laughs) it was was so funny, like, a total reversal of how the relationship um, usually works in those moments. Because, like, if you would have told me three weeks ago that my life would be, like, 10, 12-hour days right now, I would be like, that's... That's crazy, you know. And that yet we you won still have games. time to come on the I five traffic report. That's right. Well, Friday, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever like been in a wedding. The way I compare it to a game day is like you're just kind of waiting all day mm-hmm. for the ceremony to start. The the hay is in the barn. The work is done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I just dropped off what like two hundred pages of paper downstairs. Right. Um, it's all all the work. Amazing is done. that we still have. All that paper being used. Oh my gosh. And then people will complain if we don't. That's the thing. (laughs) Um, And it's all done. So at this point, I'm just, I've got like half an hour until my job actually starts. And we got media showing up and we've got credentials being handed out. We got somebody who forgot to ask for parking and (laughs) telling photographers where to go. So this is like the, the calm before the storm. So... Going off those 10, 12-hour days, is is the, the biggest factor in that just purely more media attention and more things kind of – okay. Yeah, it's more media attention and it's more social media. Yeah. It's uh, – last year when we were doing, having a nine-game losing streak, there was not a lot to post about. <laughs> right. um, you know, we obviously there's always highlights, mm-hmm. and we had really talented players and really great kids, but – it was more like I, I spent more of my time creating things for social media, whereas, you know, this week um, I made a graphic that we put out. It was a quote from Scott um, mm-hmm. that went out today. And the only reason that graphic existed is because John Canzano was interested enough to have him on the radio show. Right. And so, you know, that stuff doesn't happen unless we're winning and unless we've, like, cultivated relationships in the media where they're interested in coming out and talking to us. Yeah, right. So you started to talk there about kind of creating some of the social media stuff. We talked earlier about Will's idea with the posters. How often are you able to kind of flex your creative muscles in this role right now? Maybe not as much as you would like given how busy your days are, but what's the breakdown there? I think that – well, it's two things actually. One is that we staffed up our video team and our creative team. So we travel somebody this year on the road, Regen Mm -hmm. Kinden. He and I actually work together at Louisiana Tech, so we've come out here from there. Um, so he takes a lot of the creative workload in the video department. I don't know if folks have seen, they should go Beaver WBB mm-hmm. and watch like the cinematic recaps that he does, the in-game clips. Um, you know, he's helped to work with some photographers so mm-hmm. that we have content on the road. Cause last year I was our photographer on the road, which I love to shoot photos. Proficient. Yeah. I don't love to shoot photos while I also have seven other things to do in the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so he has been able to be a huge help. And then, you know, from there, it's just when I have time and I have an idea, I will, like, you know, put pen to paper, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, and get on it. But we've – the real transition actually has been more media and then having to rely on my team more to help me out. Um, I texted our graphic designer in the middle of that Colorado game, and I said, like, hey, man, I know it's Sunday afternoon, like – any chance you can make a first top five road win graphic for me? <laughs> and he had do not disturb on, and it's like my personal policy to not click that notify anyway button. Right. I was like, well, I got to do it. <laughs> so I hit it, and he, he put something together, and it's awesome. And so really we just have a great team, yeah. and I've needed to rely on them more, and they, they deliver every time. 
Give me a little bit here on on working with with Scott Ruick. I guess you're not directly <laughs> working with him, but you're around yes, him a lot. I am. We asked Will about Altman. He showed us these texts. Ruick, I get an entirely different vibe from. <laughs> I was just talking to um, Ron Cowan, and he was telling me all these stories. What's your relationship been like with him? It has been awesome, honestly. Like Scott, the the we are family thing is real, and it includes everybody. And that was something that I wasn't really ready for, wasn't expecting. Scott actually wasn't in my interviews. Hmm. Um, his director of ops was, and then there were three open positions at the time. So I had Tanya Chaplin, our gymnastics coach, hmm. was in the interview because her job was one of the other ones open. Um, and <laughs> so I was kind of expecting to get a call from Scott before they offered me the job, like, you know, asking me a couple questions, and apparently he just rolled with it. But... It's wild because, like, I'm invited to everything. I went to a holiday party at his house when I got back from, uh, like, we got four days for Christmas. How was the the spread there? It was real good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Um, lots of lots of great sweets, and then we get great support from Woodstock's, the pizza place okay. in town. Yeah. And so we had their pizza, which was fun. And the kids all did a Secret Santa together. Mm. So they were doing their final gifts and then guessing who was the person who was their Secret Santa, which was a blast. There you go. But, like, as an SID, you don't get invited to that. You don't always want to come to those things, depending right. on the team. But Scott is awesome about always making sure that all of us are invited. Our strength coach is there. Our athletic trainer is there. Uh, Region comes every once in a while. Our video guy, like mm-hmm. it, it is, it's a blast. Like he's a he's a very thoughtful guy, but he is a he's a real person, which is not something I can say about every high level coach in America. <laughs> there you go. So you've had to really quickly um, because you've been here for even less time than I for some reason <laughs> thought now. Uh, learn about this program Mm -hmm. and its recent history, its not-so-recent history, (laughs) for better or worse, Um, to the point where I'm guessing part of you can see a year like this sort of coming with the access you get. Like I said, we Mm -hmm. had texted about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, One, the process of just familiarizing yourself with this program, and two, did that help you kind of maybe see this coming a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like, Everybody on our team would say that Italy mattered, mm-hmm. and I would agree. Like, we went there, we played our first game against a team that was a bunch of like 18 and 19 year olds, <laughs> and we beat them by like 80. Right. <laughs> but we and there's had... plenty of 18 and 19 year olds on exactly this team, right? And they so... weren't very good. Like, yeah. if you if you look at a foreign tour score sheet, <laughs> like if somebody totaled them up, there'd be a lot of 80, 100 point wins, and you're not running up the score, but this team played hard for all 40 minutes of that game in a way that was so strange because it's human nature to be like we're up 30 we're up 50 we're up 60 Mm -hmm. and take your foot off the gas and we didn't you know go out there and run a full court press against this team but when they threw the ball to us we still ran a good fast break and (laughs) we still put our full effort in on defense. We weren't going to let them score and have like a little pity party that doesn't actually help anybody. We were going to keep playing hard the entire game because I think all of them, like one through 13, because uh, Susanna who's redshirting got to play in Europe since the games don't count. Um, every single one of them played hard the whole time because they all knew. And most of them have played hard when they've gotten in this season, and that's what's exactly. incredible is they're all getting in still. Exactly. Isn't it wild? Like, yeah. we could play I haven't 12. seen, uh, I mean, I don't want to hyperbolize it too much here, but I can't remember a team that has talked about going this deep and then has continually done it against mm-hmm. high-quality competition. Yes, it's wild. I mean, like, I could see... You're going to have to cut that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> we're not going to cut yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Adley and Mata haven't played in... Adley for probably two or three games. Mata was hurt for a little bit and then didn't play, so probably four or five. Mm-hmm. They could probably come in and play 20 minutes tonight, play awesome, and I'd be like, yeah, of course they did. Because the reason that they aren't playing is not that they are playing bad. It's that there is, you know, player number nine on our team is playing awesome, and we have a bunch of really good wings and point guards. So it's like... <laughs> I the recipe mean, has a change. It is crazy, yeah. Because yeah. any of them could come in and play, and they all have so much faith in each other. Like, if you see tonight Adley come in after mm-hmm. not playing in two weeks and pull up for a wing three, 
the entire bench will be standing up with their threes up before the ball goes in, and it'll go in. Her like, jumper, that's just, her jumper is one of the smoother I've seen. Yeah, and the three she hit against Colorado <laughs> is probably my favorite shot of the season. Yes, and that, all the all the questions that got answered about that shot afterwards uh-huh. just kind of added to it. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you watch a replay of that, you should watch Scott because last year Scott probably never celebrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, Portland Tribune actually got a great photo of it, and then you can see it kind of on the Pac-12 network cut. He he goes crazy with her. <laughs> and that's, like, he is very cool, calm, collected. Like, even when he gets a technical foul, it's usually because he's, like, standing in the ref's ear saying something. He's not a yeller and a screamer. But he was excited for her. And I, I don't know, like, that's this team. There's, it's a special crew. I really love them. <laughs> We're just about an hour and a half from tip-off, so yeah. I want to let you get back to your role. What will you be doing tonight? Walk me through yeah. <laughs> through your role tonight once it all starts. Yeah, so, I mean, in eight minutes, I'm going to walk out there and make sure our TV person who's doing a live hit is uh, in her spot and that she is feeling good about where she is, that she's not going to have fans get in her way and uh, that she has power if she needs it and all that. And then I, I run down to the table and I'm basically on social media and a little bit of media relations till tip. So I'll, I'll run out there and talk to Ann Schatz and Jennifer Mountain who are on the TV broadcast, make sure, sure they're fantastic. all good. Fantastic. I love listening Oh, they're to awesome. That. Yes. When UCLA's person shows up, I'll make sure he's got our pronunciations, that mm-hmm. our, his stats are all good, answer any questions, um, kind of... Uh, basically do all the standard pregame SID stuff. Um, you know, if somebody needs parking or if I forgot to submit their media pass, I'll right. make sure they get one. I got, a, you probably can't see it where you are, <laughs> but I got like a stack of blank passes yeah. in here that I can kind of hand out when I forget. And then once the game starts, it's really two things. The first is making sure our stats are right, mm-hmm. which is hard to do when I'm doing all this other stuff. Uh, and the second is social media. So I'll have um, a headphone in, um, and I'll be listening to the broadcast for clips or anything like that that we might want to put out on social during the game. I'll have my graphics up to do score graphics, be getting photos from our like three or four photographers who are going to be at this mm-hmm. game and our video crew. It's a well-oiled machine. It's, it is at home. I'm so thankful that I can yeah. just sit. Like I can put my butt in my seat after the national anthem and basically be there the whole time and do a good job. It's a, it's a blessing that you don't get everywhere. And we just have such a good team here, you know, like, and everybody is on the same page, um, in a way that is, that wasn't the case last year, just in the department as a whole. And in a way that has benefited everybody. Like you could look at anybody on our basketball crew from the marketing guy to video to photos to me and be like that person's better now than they were and it's because we all like cared enough about each other and the kids to do a great job and i mean we're gonna have a student ticket record tonight right because we all got on the same page and i think we had like 10 different radio appearances this week and a couple of tv and a press conference and we had students on campus running around mm-hmm. and handing out flyers to other students um, but like we all just feel like we're together and we're on the same team and we're connected and I don't know if that actually answers your question <laughs> no, or what we do but like we're all just communicating all game and it makes a huge difference for us so since this is going to air next week after this game I won't ask you any predictions for tonight <laughs> sure, I but I will say best of luck Thank I'll, you. Be, uh, I'll keep an eye on you from my uh, outpost <laughs> up in the media booth and I appreciate your time man of course thanks for having me man absolutely <laughs>